It's found on page 892 of your Black Pew Bible. I invite you to open your Bible or one of the Pew Bibles for the reading of God's Word. This portion of Scripture takes place in an extended passage, the context of which is John 6 in its entirety. Let us ask the Lord to bless the reading and hearing of His Word. Gracious Lord, we give You thanks that You have come to us that we might have life in You and through You. We thank You for Your Word. We pray for the blessing of Your Holy Spirit to open our minds that we may spiritually understand Your Word and receive it with believing hearts so that we may be transformed more nearly into your likeness and live more fully for your glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us hear the word of God. John chapter 6, beginning at verse 47. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews, that is, the leaders of the Jewish people, then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me He also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. And these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And to him be all praise, honor, and glory forever. Amen. Well, this passage from John 6, which we just read, follows after the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. That is the backdrop of this passage. And on the day after the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, the crowd came looking for Jesus again. But Jesus told them that they were looking for Him, not because they believed in Him as the Son of God, but because they had eaten the fill of their loaves. In other words, they were seeking Jesus for their stomach's sake, 
and not for the sake of their eternal salvation through Him. They were seeking Jesus for what He could do for them in their temporary life, give them more bread to eat, rather than seeking Him in order to worship Him for who He truly was and is, the Son of God. So that's the backdrop. And in this context, Jesus began to teach them what really matters. He said, Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Son of Man was a way in which Jesus referred to himself. And he also said in this passage, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now these words of Jesus are words of wonderful assurance. They're words of a gracious invitation to be nourished by him through faith in him. But Jesus spoke them in the context of confrontation and even opposition. There were some standing there who did not believe that he was the Son of God, even though they had seen the signs, the miracles, which he had done. It was never enough. They always wanted him to do one more, to prove himself. There were some standing there who opposed him and grumbled against him, saying, well, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? So the question, the big question here in this passage is, who is Jesus? How are we to respond to him? And it was in this confrontation, it was when he was faced with unbelief that Jesus began to speak to them about who he is and what true faith in him really means. What true faith in him really means. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes, that is, whoever believes in me, has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus is speaking in metaphorical or figurative, symbolic terms, as he often did. When he spoke of himself as the bread of life, as the living bread that came down from heaven. He was referring to himself as the true source and the true sustainer of life, the true nourishment that gives life, that is, eternal life. So to eat of that bread is to have faith in him, to receive his power, his life into your life. To be in union with Him through faith. Now, how does a person receive eternal life? By receiving Jesus Christ, the one who is the very embodiment of eternal life. And figuratively speaking, by 
feeding on Him, receiving life, spiritual life, spiritual nourishment from Him through faith in Him. When Jesus said, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh, He was, of course, again referring to the giving up of His own life on the cross. He would give Himself up to death on the cross in order to give His life for the world to all who believe in Him. But again, the leaders of the people in their opposition against Jesus grumbled among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Do you hear what is going on in this passage? It's just like Jesus saying to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, well, how can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb? You know, they're talking at two different levels. It's like Jesus speaking to the woman at the well of Samaria. If you had asked me, I would have given you living water and you would never thirst again. Oh, oh, well, give me that water. I'd like to have some of that. They're at two different levels. So now these leaders of the Jews are grumbling, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Because they're thinking in a literalistic or physical sense. And again, Jesus answered them with words that have reference to his death on the cross. And words which would have been as shocking then as they are to us today. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Now these words of Jesus may sound very strange to us. And in fact, the pagans of the first century accused the first Christians of being cannibals because they, the the Roman pagans, had had heard that Christians participated in a sacrificial meal in which they ate flesh and drank blood. But again, Jesus is speaking in metaphorical, symbolic terms, but the truth he is communicating is real truth. Don't, don't, when I say that Jesus is speaking figuratively or metaphorically or symbolically, it doesn't mean that it's any less true. In fact, it's more true. It's the only way to communicate this kind of truth. His words are pointing back, first of all, to the Passover feast, the eating of the Passover lamb. This was the feast that celebrated the exodus from Egypt, liberation from slavery, deliverance into the promised land. Well, Jesus is the true lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. To believe in Him is to believe that He is the true sacrifice, the true Passover lamb. Therefore, to eat His flesh is figurative or metaphorical language for believing in Him, placing your faith in Him, trusting in Him for your deliverance from the slavery of sin. His death and resurrection is our exodus 
He is the one who sets us free from the bondage of our sins and the slavery of Satan and delivers us from the curse of sin and death and brings us into everlasting life in His eternal, true, promised land. You see, and so Jesus is hearkening back to the Passover and the Exodus when He's referring to Himself as the flesh which we Eat. The imagery of drinking his blood. Again, figurative, metaphorical, but in fact powerful for yet another reason. And we touched on this in the Sunday school class previously. The Jewish people, when they ate the animals which were offered in sacrifice, for example, they, they ate the flesh of the Passover lamb, but they did not eat the blood or drink the blood of the animal. That was prohibited for the Israelite Old Testament people. Leviticus chapter 17 says, the life of every creature is its blood. Its blood is its life. And so the drinking of animal blood, which is still practiced today in some primitive pagan cultures, was prohibited by Old Testament law. Because the blood is the life of the creature, the vehicle, the means of the creature's life, the life force. So to drink the blood of a sacrificed bull or lamb would be to imbibe, to ingest the very life, the life force of an animal and to have the very life of the bull or the calf within you. That was prohibited. In, in, uh, in the Old Testament. But you see, now Jesus is speaking about himself. He's speaking metaphorically. He's speaking figuratively, symbolically. But he's speaking of himself. And when he speaks of himself, now he crosses that line. He speaks of drinking his blood. Now again, this is not grotesque, literal cannibalism or anything of that nature. Jesus is speaking in terms of faith. He is saying that through faith in Him, we receive His very life into our life. His life is in His blood. His blood was poured out on the cross for us. His death made atonement for our sins, giving us life. We drink His blood, spiritually speaking, when we believe the Gospel, receive His life into our life, when we place our faith in Him. Our spiritual union with Christ through faith nourishes our souls with His life. Jesus said, My flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. His flesh and blood were offered up for us on the cross as the sacrifice for our sins. Through faith in Him, it is as though we eat and drink His death for us. We eat and drink. We we receive the power of His atoning death for us. We eat and drink His eternal life. The power of His resurrection nourishes us. Through faith in Him, we are in union with Him and He in us. And therefore, He will raise us up on the last day. 
So the language of eating Christ's flesh and drinking his blood is figurative or metaphorical, symbolic, but communicating a real truth. All of this is what it means to believe in him. Feeding on him is a matter of living our lives in complete dependence upon him. Drinking his blood is a matter of living our lives, trusting in his sacrifice for us. For he alone has the power to raise us up. So now we have to ask the question, what is the relationship between this passage, John 6, and our observance of the Lord's Supper? Well, first of all, in the original historical context of John 6, when Jesus was speaking these words, he was not on that occasion giving a lesson about the Lord's Supper. He had not yet instituted the Lord's Supper. There was no reason for him to be speaking about a sacrament, which he would later establish. Those standing there that day would have had no point of reference. They wouldn't have understood. Nevertheless, it's hard for us today to read this passage and not think about the Lord's Supper, isn't it? It's hard for us to read these words of Jesus about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and not make some connection to the Lord's Supper. And so when we hear Jesus in this passage, we can't help thinking of his words on the night of the Last Supper. This is my body given for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. So what's the connection? Now from our vantage point, looking back, we can interpret our observance of the Lord's Supper in light of Jesus' words. First of all, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper as the new covenant Passover. He shows us that he is the true Passover lamb, that through faith in him we experience a Passover from death into life, an exodus out of slavery to sin into the freedom that we have from sin through him. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper to show us that his death gives us life through faith in him, Trusting in him, we receive his power and his life just as though we were feeding upon him. He gave us the Lord's Supper as a means by which these promises would be confirmed to us. A way that we could get our hands on them, literally, to receive his promises, to take hold of his promises in our hands and and receive them into our life just as we would take and receive the bread and the cup. You see, He gave us the Lord's Supper as the means by which through the power of the Holy Spirit He would assure us that He is our nourishment unto life eternal. Bread and wine of Holy Communion do not become the body and blood of Christ in any kind of physical or literal way. But it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. For those who receive the sacrament with true faith in Christ, the bread and the wine communicate to us 
the spiritual presence of Jesus Christ. This is a sign of his promise that he is with us always. And the bread and the wine communicate to us the presence of Christ and the power of Christ so that we might be assured that through faith in him we have life eternal. So, think of it this way. When you eat an ordinary meal, when you eat bread and meat and a glass of milk, something amazing happens. We take it for granted, but it's really rather amazing. It's the way God has created the natural order. We chew up the food, we swallow it, and somehow that food, what we eat and what we drink, becomes quite literally, a part of us, doesn't it? It literally becomes a part of us. The energy of that food, the life force of that food, the the carbohydrates, the fats, the protein, the vitamins, the minerals, all of that somehow, because of the way God has created the world and created our bodies, all of that enters our physiological system and becomes a part of us and actually gives us life. All of the energy that's in that bread or potato or whatever it is really becomes the energy of our life, right? Well, so when we eat the bread and drink the wine of the Lord's Supper, with faith in Jesus Christ, you see, We are coming to Him. We are looking to Him to be our true bread and our true drink. We are acknowledging that we do not live by our own power. We are acknowledging that we are sinners who without Him would die and perish. That we need His life within us to give us eternal life. The bread of the supper represents to us the reality of His body. That is, His body crucified for us. His body offered up in our stead. The wine of communion represents the reality of His blood. His life force shed for us, poured out for us. So to eat the bread in faith is to, in that sense, feed upon Christ the bread of life. To drink the wine in faith is to drink His blood, spiritually speaking, and receive His life within us. So our prayer at communion should always be, Yes, Lord Jesus, feed me with Yourself. Yes, Lord Jesus, may Your life fill me. I come to You as a weak, hungry starving, dying, beggar, with an open hand, with an open mouth, to receive what only you can give. Your body broken for me. Your blood shed for me. Your life. You alone are the true food and true drink. Feed me. Nourish me. Fill me with the power of your death and resurrection so that I may live by the power of your eternal life through the Holy Spirit 
in union with you forever. Let us pray. Father, for all of your goodness in which you provide for all of our needs, body and soul, we give you thanks. And we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will apply the truth of your word to our hearts and enable us to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.